Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Waffle Press Podcast Retrospective, Avatar Legend of the Last Retrospective. I'm your host, Diego Crespo. With me today is my co-host, Matt Garingo. That's me. How's I'm it going, co-host. Um, things are fucking weird. We just, for those who don't know, we sometimes talk beforehand, before we start recording, and I think we just win about 90 minutes. <laughs> Just talking about bullshit, and it, we ended on a very depressing note about our culture. So, um, now we get to talk about Avatar. <laughs> yeah, which there are no problems here. Uh, so No problems whatsoever. Alright, so, before we get into anything, I'm going to go over the structure of this podcast, and then we're going to talk about the big news that broke in the middle of this recording marathon, basically. <laughs> because we've been doing yeah. pretty good recording these. But how this show goes, for first-time listeners is that we discuss five episodes of Avatar The Last Airbender. This will change as we move forward in the, the Avatar series, uh, but we, we do five episodes at a time, and uh, we've been on a pretty good roll recording these, and we're like, you know what? That, that This is going to be an easy recording. It's going to be fun to talk about. There's going to be a lot of like digressions we can do with the, with the themes and ideas and the characters, the production. And then uh, we're all kind of teeing this up a little bit for the live action series. We we might cover it. We might not. It might not even exist at this point because <laughs> during the middle of this recording, the creators of Avatar The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra uh, stepped away from the live action Netflix production of The Last Airbender remake. This was literally announced yesterday. Due to creative differences. And, uh, you know, it's it, it was a tantalizing project already one that we were very vocally like i don't know about this uh and and the one like olive branch of the situation was that like well the original creators are working on it and now that's gone so yeah i don't know maybe it's probably just best to bury it well you seem to know more about why that happened than i do because i just it was it was their statements were incredibly vague um, understandably, I guess they're trying to be a little diplomatic in uh, what they are saying, but uh, they they basically just said like we we were not given the creative control we were promised. We were not allowed to do what we wanted. Blah blah blah. Um, and I couldn't put a it just it raised so many questions because it was that thing where we both were kind of like not super excited about the prospect of the live action series just because it sounded like they were just going to do the show again. And we were always like, Hey, we're, we, uh, we, we already have the show. We don't need a live action show. So then to hear that there were creative differences over a show that's going to be based on a show that already existed, it raised a lot of questions (laughs) And so what have you found out um, in the time since the announcement? Uh, I'll read a little bit from Brian Konetsko's announcement, and then I'll say uh, just what I've heard. It's nothing nothing like huge rumblings, like not TMZ level anything. It, it's just kind of a, a fact of the matter. But first, uh, a little bit of the statement is that Michael DiMartino and I recently chose to leave Netflix's live adaptation of Avatar The Last Airbender, the series he and I created together in 2002. We will have no involvement in the project moving forward. This is probably the most difficult decision I have ever made, but there is no doubt in my mind it was absolutely the right choice. 
when Netflix brought me on board to run this series alongside Mike two years ago, they made a very public promise to support our vision. Unfortunately, there was no follow through on that promise, though I got to work with some great individuals both on Netflix's side and on our own small development team. The general handling of the project created what I felt was a negative and unsupportive environment. And uh, I, I won't read the whole thing. Um, it's, it's available on his Instagram and like every news media outlet ever right now uh, for, for those that want to see the, the full thing. But the vibe I got even before hearing anything was that it sounded like he, he, he's being diplomatic, but he's also very clearly saying that th- this was not like a supportive endeavor. From yeah. the creator. No, no, it's very, it's it's very uh, read between. You don't even need to read between the lines that much. That it seems like there was definitely a lot of conflict going on behind the scenes with Netflix's management of the series. But you know, at the end of the day, you can only point so many fingers. You know, we don't we don't know exactly what went on. We weren't in those rooms, so I don't I don't want it to be a whole gossip thing. But all I know is that apparently they want to recreate the series. Uh, uh, the original creators, I should say, wanted to recreate the series and have it explore new directions with new characters. And basically, they, they didn't want to just remake it. They wanted to reimagine it and expand it in a way that would be fitting for a live action endeavor. And that, that doesn't mean that it was still the right choice to remake it or anything like that. But from my understanding, it does sound like they didn't want to basically go for the easy layup. They they wanted to push the potential of a series that they birthed, basically. And Netflix has been very public about their attempt at discovering their next Star Wars. You know, they, they want their Star Wars, their, their flagship franchise. Um, and I guess they were the ones who were more enticing the creators to, to just kind of whittle it down and just, like, do what you guys did already. <laughs> And they didn't like that. Yeah, that's insane to me. It's just, it's 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 so short sighted, and so just says a lot about what the management might be thinking at Netflix. Because it's again, it's just been so weird where they've been very like it was a big deal when Last Airbender finally made it to Netflix, which was only like a month or two ago, right? Yeah, it, it it's like, just blown which, up again. Yeah, and it was like this weird thing of like. Something about that must have played a factor because they really pushed it. It was really a big announcement. And I, I maybe either the metrics on the show weren't high enough or maybe they, they felt that, oh, look how popular it is. We really should just do this again. You know, maybe that's what they feel co- confident doing. Well, to make it even more confusing and complicated, this news only broke at the time of recording yesterday. This happened months ago. This break. This this break off between the creators and Netflix. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's really... Yeah, so that makes it even weirder. So the, I, I assume that they just had like a meeting like within the last week and then walked off the project. No. And, and apparently so why did they wait are surprised to... that it took this long to come out and that it wasn't leaked to like outlets. Cause I, I, wow. I guess it, it was... It wasn't just backroom disagreements. You know what I mean? You met, do you think there was maybe some haggling trying to go on to try and either get them back or see if Netflix would bite at all? Maybe. You know, like uh, uh, our friend and, and listener of the show, Ethan, brought up the Twin Peaks and Showtime with David Lynch where 
David Lynch was off that project for like a minute there, and everyone was like, well, you, you can't do Twin Peaks without David Lynch. And they were like, okay, fine. And he still had like, you know, he had more free reign than he did at ABC or whatever with Twin Peaks, but it was a little more difficult still than he probably would have hoped. So maybe Ethan yeah. brought up that this is their attempt at doing something like that, where they're saying like, we're not getting what we were promised, so we're, we're backing off. And they're hoping Netflix will bring them back into the fold. But I, I think that's a little optimistic, personally. It's a little optimistic. And it's just a thing where it's like... As much as I do believe Avatar is those guys, I don't. I bet you the creatives at Netflix don't see it that way. Mm-hmm. I think you know, and they, they're going to be very blindsided if they continue with this endeavor um, to see just how supportive the fans are of Brian and Michael, the creators of Avatar. Yeah, which... I mean, they, they have a very loyal following in terms of creators. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's and it, it's like that's the one thing they're known for. They're, like, they're the few creators that, like, haven't pulled a George Lucas or anything where, like, their fans eventually turned on them. Even with Legend of Korra, which they oversaw, which is a very divisive show, it's not like people are like, they ruined it, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's like even then, like the the villain in that story tends to be Nickelodeon. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's the villain's going to be Netflix. And it's just yeah, it's just incredibly short sighted. And I I think it might just be one of those things where no one was on the the right page from the get go. You know, mm-hmm. like maybe it was a mistake to be like let's redo the series and then maybe they didn't realize that they were talking about two different things the whole time. Mm-hmm. Whereas maybe if they had pitched Netflix, like, hey, we want to do another Avatar series, or we would like to tell Aang's story after the events of Last Airbender, or something like that. Like, just something different. Maybe there wouldn't be these conflicts, but I think that because they said we want to redo the series... Netflix and then the team behind Avatar just had completely different ideas about what that was going to be. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Uh, part of me is a little grateful because there, there is the opportunity for this show to just kind of fade away now, right? The, the live action mm-hmm. attempt, I mean. Because sometimes yeah. and they maybe, made clear, maybe things they that still... are animated can just stay animated too, you know? Yeah. Well, can uh, let me understand this though. Are th- th- they still own the IP, right? Like they have like a weird ownership of that IP, correct? I think so. It's very strange because like when we were talking about it before this recording, you mentioned that like Netflix basically just let it go. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, Nickelodeon just like let it go, right? Like, and yeah. and now it seems like they have enough control of it to also still be doing like the books and the comics. And I don't know if they're still doing video games, but they were for a minute there. Yeah. I don't think any of the video games were received very well, but yeah. Yeah. But that, that, whatever. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, it's weird thing because they, because they, they both say in their statements that we're still doing stuff in the avatar universe, but it won't be this series. And they are doing the Kyoshi... I mean, I, they're publishing the Kyoshi books, and I believe one of them's a co-writer on those books. Oh, wow. Okay, so then I, I think they do have, like, the majority control of it, at least. Just not for this project yeah. any longer. I don't know the... I just don't know the standing of it. Um, and again, it's just... It's this strange, strange thing where... 
it just it like how like how did this get to where it was at like it was i think it was misguided from the start but then to suddenly have it all fall apart like this it's like what were they thinking <laughs> and it also gets concerning where it's like avatar as we'll get into with legend of Korra, avatar really became the series that became popular with like the lgbt community and you wonder if you know and they've taken it very seriously the creators to the point where like even kiyoshi now is in a in a gay relationship um and the comics are more overt about um gay relationships and but the animated series could never fully go there because they were made for children and on television there were still at the time a lot of weird rules about how much you could show you know and all these companies where it's like that have to answer the shareholders, they're always reluctant to push that envelope, which really shouldn't be pushing the envelope at this point, but it still is. <laughs> but at Netflix, you could at least see being kind of free of like a lot of the broadcasting standards that would affect stuff like that. I mean, uh, She-Ra recently had something like that, and that's a show that was definitely made for children. But, yeah, it's this thing of, I don't know... Like, were they reluctant? Like, did they want to go in and be like, all right, we want to explore some LGBT themes that we didn't get to explore when we originally made... Because, you know, the world's changed since Last Airbender came out. Certain There's certain different norms. Is there, there? And as we've discussed in this retrospective, there's a lot, I think, to explore in it. And for whatever reason, that... I don't know. I don't know how to say it. Like, it feels like maybe they wanted to push in that direction, and if so, maybe that was what Netflix pushed against. I mean, it gets even weird. Like, nothing about this is like normal. I think, but like, it gets yeah. even weirder when Netflix also does have this persona of being more like creator friendly, you know, mm-hmm. and more like artistically driven, um, which. Uh, you know, it, it's a complicated idea in and of itself, um, but this does kind of shatter that perception, I think, more than yeah, like well, any I mean, other production. It's always been like a brand thing. I mean, it's it's you know, it's always been fairly transparent, but I don't know. It's just because what are the other franchises that Netflix really has? The Irishman. It's like no. um, uh, Six Underground no. <laughs> is is launching a franchise now, but it's not going to be like a mega okay. thing. It'll just be like Michael Bay and Ryan Reynolds want to do a movie together again. They can do Six Underground too. Okay. There you go. Uh, maybe oh um, what's that Chris Hemsworth one that just came out? Extraction. That's that's their new action franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it a hit though? It, I, as far as I know, it was a big hit. It got like a sequel greenlit like immediately. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, but like the the ones that like I could say like had like cultural impact. It's like Bright. Oh God, that's right. Which was, I know, like Bright is like their one big franchise, and like it was immediately rejected <laughs> by people. But like, was a lot of people watched it, and then they got Stranger Things. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I guess that which, counts, kind of right. But that's also been something where I don't know. You know, it's this weird thing too where. We live in an era where we've never known... Like, they have the exact numbers on viewers on everything, right? Mm-hmm. But we don't know any of them. 
Whereas the ratings that like we that used to determine television were the system that everyone knew was flawed and wasn't accurate. But now we have the numbers exactly, and no one's allowed to see them except Netflix. Not to and not to get I, into a whole thing, but I do have this little conspiracy theory that whatever the numbers are, it's like the day they come out, it's gonna fundamentally like cause an explosion in like how people make and create television. Because I think yeah. everyone's gonna realize that it's a lie. Like everyone kind of knows it's a lie by this point. But I think it'll become like mm-hmm. an undeniable like matter of fact, and no one's gonna know how to move forward for a minute. But and anyway, that's, well, that's the a, numbers a conspiracy were, theory. If the numbers were something they could brag about, they would release them. Mm-hmm. But uh, they have not. So yeah, it's just this. It's this thing of. So what I was saying with Stranger Things is, I'm willing to bet just based on perception, Stranger Things has probably not has been a lower return on investment as things have gone on. I could be wrong, but it just feels like, you know, as popular as it still is, it feels like it's, nothing has hit with Stranger Things as much as that first season hit. Other than that, like, you keep seeing this push where it's like, I, I feel like they tried to push She-Ra really hard, and that, like, only lasted a few years, and I love She-Ra, but it definitely didn't, you know, reach the mainstream. Although what was weird was one of those shows where kind of like Breaking Bad where the last season ends up being the one that's like really popular. <laughs> so, I don't know, maybe She-Ra will come back, which I would like, but they're also doing a He-Man series that is a continuation of the original 80s He-Man show. What? Yeah, and it's like Kevin Smith's like writing it. Oh. And Mark Hamill is going to be Skeletor. And it's got like this crazy cast. And it's like, all right. And yeah, I just can't think of like what else. And they also, they recently launched um, the Midnight Gospel or whatever it was called from the guys who made Adventure Time, which I haven't seen, but it's, I mean, it definitely wasn't an Adventure Time size hit, you know? Yeah, I've never even heard of that. So yeah, I know it like flew under the radar and it's like, I guess it's like more in a more adult animated show. Okay. Uh, but still, I, I'm willing to bet they were hoping for bigger numbers. And yeah, I think they're struggling to find like a tentpole thing that they could be like, here is our franchise. Because now all the other streaming services are launching with, look at all the franchises we have. You know, and like The Wire and The Sopranos, which I mentioned recently were on Amazon Prime. Turns out they were just pulled from Amazon Prime because now they're going to be on HBO Max exclusively. And I'm willing to bet that's happening to multiple things. And it's like you go on, if you use Disney Plus, it's like they have a whole section that is just their franchises. <laughs> and I don't know. It's it's a weird, weird moment. Um, oh, The Witcher is probably the other Netflix thing. Oh, yeah. That that was a, a moderate hit, I think. Well, yeah. the big problem with Netflix is that even if their their new show is a hit or whatever, it's the sequel or follow-up season that, like, they just stopped marketing and I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know what, I don't know what happens, but it's also, I, what have they done where it was like a huge hit at the start and then the follow up was of better quality? Not immediately, but the last season of Daredevil is like one of the best written television shows yeah, I've definitely. ever seen. 
But everyone phased out of it really by that fault. point because of like the influx of the Marvel shows, and most yeah. of them were not very good. Mm-hmm. It was also like that by that point, it was like Disney was gonna was very clearly taking the Marvel stuff back. Yeah. Oh my god, That's so tragic because that fuck yeah. dude like not not to get into a whole other thing but like if i was teaching a class on television i would make people watch all of daredevil just to get to that third season because it's mm-hmm. so good it is ridiculous yeah. how good it is but anyways that's that's neither here nor there uh, that's gone now too but it's like i i i but i also i just can't think of too many where it's like i i think everyone agrees that stranger things season two is not as good as season one mm-hmm. And I also I just can't think of the other shows like Mindhunter, which kind of got popular, which also seems to be over because of creative issues. Um, but that's also because David Fincher is supposed to be like a maniac. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that one, not to point fingers, that one might be on him more than. Well, David Fincher was someone who literally had like I think he had like three projects set up with HBO, and all of them got shut down because he was so hard to work with. Like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there, but it's, yeah, it's just this thing of, I don't know what Netflix is thinking. And I I hope maybe there's a backlash enough to be like, we got to rethink what we're doing with Avatar. Because honestly, I think Netflix might be a perfect home for Avatar if they did it right. Mm-hmm. I think that's, it, it would be a great place. Because I, I don't want to see it go to like another streaming service that's already got like 30 different franchises. Yeah, yeah. It, it should be treated as, as a flagship. Nickelodeon yeah. completely fucked it up on them for themselves. Not, not even quality of any individual show or, or well, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to everything on that eventually. Trust me. But like they, they had their Star Wars. Netflix is trying to get theirs and it's it's just it's all fucked up. It's so weird where it's like maybe they just don't know what they got because it's just like Nickelodeon lets it go and now they have their own streaming services for CBS and like the only thing they have is Star Trek. And you would think Last Airbender would be perfect as like another series to put on there, but that's not going to happen. And so then the series falls in the Netflix's lap and you already have this like whole mythology. It's already all set up. You don't have to develop any of it. And you're fucking it up. Like you, it's it like it's it would be like if George Lucas just like handed Star Wars to someone, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and then they'd be like, he's like, I want to make another one, but I just want to be involved, and then like you fire everyone that's ever worked on Star Wars. <laughs> it's it's just crazy to me. I I just don't understand the logic here. And maybe it'll flop, and then something will happen. Because I, I, like again, I love Avatar enough where I would like to see it continue. I don't need it to continue, but I would like to see more stuff in this universe. I feel like there's just so much potential here. But I, I don't know. It's 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 just a bummer, in a lot of ways. There's no real positive note to end on here. It's just there's a lot of questions left left hanging. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll probably talk more about it as this continues because I'm sure more stuff is just going to come out about it. And uh, hey, maybe who, who by the time this comes out, they're maybe they're already back on the project. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? You know, or or they optimistic. give it to the Game of Thrones guys, who no one has any mixed feelings about. 
That would be that would be like the cherry on top of just bullshit. They do have a Netflix deal now. Hey now. Well they've lost like every deal they had after Game of Thrones. Netflix is the one they still have. HBO canceled mm. Confederacy because everyone was like, We're living that. That's and then <laughs> Yeah, it's a bad idea. <laughs> so so who knows? Who knows? Well, but again, also to talk about that's to, to part of the conversation we had on Mike. You know, we could say that they canceled it because of that, but it also feels like Warner Media is pulling away from the creative side. Like they really aren't trying to create new shows. It's weird. We're in a weird. We're in a weird area right now. Yeah, we're we're in a place where capitalism is eating itself, and no one, for some reason, no one's seeing it coming, except for weirdos what? like us. Well, I think it's it's that it's that debate of is everyone just crazy and is like you know it's like where if you're a if you're a con man or a liar you have to believe your lie on some level so like people who commit massive fraud will also think they're they're legit business people because you just have to believe it at some point <laughs> it's a weird like psychological thing is that what's happening or do all these people know everything's about to collapse? And they're just trying to pull up the ladder before everyone realizes it. I would say it's the ladder. Ha ha. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm trying to find joy wherever I can nowadays. But I, I, yeah, I that's do like think the, it is that's the more depressing. The for sure. That's the more depressing option. Uh, but it's the thing where it's just we are in the middle of a massive paradigm shift. And one that like I don't think society has gone through in a long time like maybe since the first two world wars and i don't think we know how to handle it and so we, it, i don't know it could be over real quick or it could just be the foreseeable future and then we're going to come out a different world like no matter what we're coming out a different world on the other side and i think that's the thing people are struggling with i think people don't really grasp that no matter what, it's going to be completely different X number of years from now. Or it could be different by the time this episode airs. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, who knows? Who knows? Which is a much, much more uh, difficult thing to think about than what the fuck is going to happen to the future of the Avatar franchise. <laughs> so, to, to, to bring it back down to Earth, or should I say Book 2... Hey, um, that's a bad joke. We don't have answers to those big questions, but we do have answers to subjects relating to the five episodes we we're talking about today on Avatar's retrospective, Appa's Lost Days, Lake Laogai, The Earth King, The Guru, and The Crossroads of Destiny. Okay, so Appa's Lost Days. Matt, what did you think? Appa's Lost Days. Uh... I think also one thing I want to bring up, remember, I think I mentioned in the last episode that I accidentally watched this one thinking it was part yes. of the last recording. I figured out why I did that because Netflix has grouped the two parters together. So it listed the, uh, the drill and, um, the serpent's pass as one episode. So when I was counting, I accidentally counted Appa's Lost Day as the 15th episode. Yes, and they also did it for the final two episodes of the season, The Guru and The Crossroads of Destiny. So on Netflix, there will only be 18 episodes listed. So I apologize, and uh, I, I will I will be more wary of that for book three when I give it the next rewatch. 
and I'll let people know at the beginning of that season's recording um, if there are any, like, discrepancies like that, because there might be. Well, one thing I think that threw it off is that it, that was not the case with season one, mm-hmm. <laughs> where the two-parters still stayed two-parters. So, I don't fucking know. Yeah. But Appa's Lost Days, um, this is one where we get to see what the fuck Appa was up to um, while everyone else was on an adventure. And it's frankly just a very sad episode. (laughs) It is horrifically sad, and it's great, and I love it dearly, but I also don't have that much to say about this one, if that makes sense, you know? Um, yeah, I can understand. Well, it's, it's also one where it's more like... There's not, it's not plot heavy. It's not, it's just watching Appa and it's no, there's very little dialogue. We see Appa ends up in like a fire circus or something like that. Yeah. It's one of the Fire Nation colonies, I think too. He ends up at the Eastern Air Temple where he meets a a guru who uh, will come back later. Uh, We also get flashbacks to Appa's childhood, which is like really sad. (laughs) That's probably the saddest image ever of Appa as a child, like, teething on that one thing, and then him as an adult, like, teething again and kind of, like, trying to relive his past. It's it's just, it's a pretty upsetting moment. Yeah, uh, directed um, by Giancarlo Volpe. Uh, excellent direction in this, because, yeah, done... it is a very minimalist episode. It's kind of like the desert, where there's, like... There's not a lot going on, like, in the in the story sense, like you brought up, but the direction of, like, character and the environment is, like, really compelling and uh, yeah. very, very touching when it, when it needs to be, too. Like, Suki shows up in this episode again to help Appa with her Kyoshi warrior friends, and it's, it's just such a relief when that happens, too, because it's, like, finally yeah. <laughs> something nice. What's that thing of, like... Where like something nice will happen and then the it the it'll immediately the rug will get pulled out from under you, mm-hmm. and that's that's like what keeps happening because then like of course Suki and the Kyoshi Warriors are attacked by Azula and are beaten pretty badly. Yeah, and she has to for she has to force Appa to flee, so he won't get hurt in the battle, and he does. But he's also like heavily injured throughout all of this. Like it's not like he just you know flies around a lot. He's injured. He's captured. He's muzzled. He gets like hit. I like arrows and shit. Like it's not great. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a pretty heavy watch uh, for any anybody with like little little humans alongside them watching this one. Uh, I I would honestly mm-hmm. say like if if you're uh, sensitive to like animal stuff, uh, th- this one might be a little heavier for you. Mm-hmm. So just uh just note that for um and the big. Yeah. The big ending is that he is he, he makes it the bossing say and is immediately captured by Long Fang. Yeah, those what are those darn Dylee up to, Matt? And he, he leaves a footprint, which is what Momo found at the end of the previous episode. Yeah. It's it's all just so fucking sad. <laughs> it's so sad. It's like very depressing. This won a Humane Society Award though. Oh really? For its portrayal of the mistreatment of animals. Oh. So Oh, there you uh, go. This one also reminded me of the Last Jedi. I think you said the the drill episode reminds you of Last Jedi because of, like the setup is similar to the end of that film. Yeah. Uh, this one kind of reminded me of the uh, the weird horse animal things that they have oh, there. Yeah. 
uh, and everyone was like, "Oh, see, it's just woke propaganda for to highlight yeah. animal abuse." It's not like it had anything to say about capital and the mistreatment of all living things. Well, it's under also it. like whatever. Also, we're talking about like again, this is a cartoon show. What is like the easiest shorthand to be like this person's an asshole? Have them like mistreat cute animals. This is like classic short story shorthand, you know? <laughs> like, there's no like propaganda hidden in. Oh, you mean the guy who runs the horse race is actually mean to the horses? <laughs> it's like, yeah, no shit. Like, I can't believe that was a thing people discussed. I know. And you know it's what? Like, I'll go a step further. Even if it was like anti horse racing propaganda. So what? <laughs> yeah, but it's it, it's it, it's I just well because the idea is a lot of these people a lot of those people believe that if if you that if a story element is forced then it goes against capitalism you know it's like it's all there's like all these weird levels of it where it's like that they aren't catering to me the target demographic. And it's just, there's all these, like, weird, weird levels with that sort of logic. And, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's just this weird thing where, like, the, the target demographic is slowly realizing they're no longer the target demographic, and they don't know how to handle it. And so now they're blaming everyone else. Where it's like, they, they don't realize that they were catered to their whole lives. Now when they see other people getting catered to, they're like, what happened to me? <laughs> you know? Change. Just, change is happening. It's, yeah, Let's hope it's, it's for the it's, better. But speaking of change, I, I feel like we can comfortably move on to Lake Lao Guy already. Yeah, probably. I think anything that uh, that we need to revisit, we could probably discuss here as well. We're moving over Oppa's Lost Days already. I do want to reiterate, I really like this episode a lot. It's just not a lot of uh, stuff to discuss beyond that, I guess. One thing I guess I haven't mentioned, uh, I feel like... There, there was some inspiration, like, do you think there was some, like, Totoro inspiration for the look of Appa? Yes. Because it feels like that with, like, the big mouth and everything. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think completely. Uh, there's a lot of Miyazaki stuff in this. And uh, eventually, not in The Last Airbender, but eventually, there's a very obvious Miyazaki influence on uh, an aspect of the series, I'll say. Um, but Lake Guy is where everything comes back to a head in Bossing Se. They've been kicking around the city for a while. And now the the kind of conflict with the Dai Li reaches like a boiling point. And it is kind of nuts that we, we find out the secret of the Dai Li and then we have like two whole episodes between like figuring out what the fuck's going on. <laughs> yeah, there there's a real patience with this. Like I think I brought it up a couple times already, but TV shows don't move like this often, if ever. Uh, and it really does have, like, the patience of, like, a storybook or something, you know? Which is kind of refreshing. It, it functions and operates differently than, like, regular serialized television. While still having, like, quality episodic adventures that, like, flush out the world or the characters more, too. I wonder if they had... a a guarantee for season three while they were making season two. Cause I feel like that would have made it more comfortable to try things that they try 
in this season. Yeah, I, I'll have to look that up, and I'll, I'll bring it up next time because I don't, I don't want to spend too much time researching and and chopping this up. But like, I wouldn't be surprised if if you were on the money with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but like loud guy, this one it feels like they're really because like the other one definitely felt more episodic, where it was built where you could jump in at some point, and even if you hadn't watched uh, a good chunk of Avatar season one you could still figure out what was going on for the most part whereas this it's like this show expects you to know what happened three episodes ago mm-hmm. so yeah lake lao guy um which uh is where the daily are taking their prisoners and basically brainwashing them like the fucking manchurian candidate yeah and there's this great shot of all the judies and uh they're that was upsetting that was not that was depressing that was very depressing but it but it was like also very unsettling obviously you know yeah well it's like well for one thing like jet was brought there and it's like all right you know it's bad but like at least there's like a logic to jet being brought there Mm -hmm. where it's like you know he caused a disturbance but like what did the judies do (laughs) yeah when we never get like a a clear-cut resolution for that and this isn't a criticism i just it's got me thinking like what if it's like a Jason Bourne type thing where it's like they hate that they're there, but then they realize like, oh, they were like basically like through propaganda and like nationalism, like convinced to join this cause, you know, spoilers for the mm-hmm. Jason Bourne series, I guess, <laughs> which right. totally relates to Avatar The Last Airbender. I mean, I think a lot of this is lifted. Like, I think the light thing might be lifted directly from the original Manchurian Candidate. And they say, like, the, the repeating things that Jude, the Judy say is also, I think, from the Manchurian Candidate, where they're all like, whoever the main character is, is the most noble man we've ever met, because that's what they're all programmed to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I think I've mentioned, uh, I have an extreme anxiety around brainwashing. <laughs> I think I've mentioned that previously. It is one thing that, like, upsets me more than anything, so... Uh, this episode got under my skin a ton. Now, it, it's really creepy. And it's a totally different, like, conflict from what the series has kind of been, like, handling so far. You know, it's it's no longer, like... Like, I think uh, writer-director John Carpenter has this thing where it's, like, the conservative threat is the monsters out there in the dark. The more liberal threats are, like, internalized. And, like, the monsters mm-hmm. are here, like, inside the walls, you know? Yeah. It's a very creative way to explore, like, more of the resilient themes of the series about, like, uh, power structures and institutions. And it's also a, an animated children's show that aired on Fridays. It's legit secret police. <laughs> and, I mean, it's also, you know, secret police in 2006. So this is, like, the Bush era. <laughs> And this is right around the time where we all started agreeing that the that the Bush era sucked. Because <laughs> there's like those first four years, first year where everyone thought Bush was dope, and then we had like three years where everyone's like, no, Bush is actually a hero because he's keeping this country safe. And then the last four years, everyone turned on Bush. But now Bush is fine again, I guess. Yeah, I mean, hey, sure, he's a war criminal and further devastated the Middle East and human rights violations, yada, yada. But and he, founded ICE. He, yeah, he founded ICE. But also, he's painting portraits of immigrants. So who yeah. can say if he's good or bad? Yeah, this, you know, 
Every man's complicated. I fucking hate George shit. Bush redemption arc. No, no, he doesn't get one. <laughs> Anyways, All right, here's um, something though. What would Bush have to do to get a redemption arc? I I think liberals just want everyone to like them so much that they don't they don't need like a motivating factor. I think they'll just welcome him into the fold. I know, I know. That's that's liberals, but I'm talking about like real people. <laughs> like, oh, pe- people with like spines and virtues. I don't know. Like, yeah, cause I think he'd have to actually like shoot Donald Trump. Not that we're advocating for that. Absolutely not. No, 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 no. <laughs> but um, yeah, that might be that might be in the wheelhouse. He would have to. I guess I would say he would have to kill a dictator that was threatening the future democracy of the United States. Yeah, that'll do it. In a way that sacrifices his own life. I think that would redeem him. Like Yondu. That's a really good movie. Anyways. Yeah, it is. Yondu still trafficked children, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh... <laughs> but then he found out they were dying and then felt bad about it. Yeah, that's why it was bad. Yeah, not that he was trafficking children. <laughs> yeah. You know, he, he felt bad. That, that's what really oh, yeah. matters. He felt bad and then still threatened to eat. He was being <laughs> funny. He was being funny, yeah, you know. I mean, Yandu did the right thing in the end. He died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, not to get into the whole thing, but it is kind of crazy that one of Marvel's flagship franchises is Guardians of the Galaxy. And, like, yeah, it's got the Marvel quirks, but it's also got trafficking children as, like, one of the opening plot points. Oh yeah, no, it, it it they for some reason that one just is able to sneak in all sorts of shit that the other movies just don't bother. Yeah, I don't get it, but I love it. I mean, it really feels like that like every time like you see like a deeper thing in the Marvel movies, it feels like the executives didn't realize what was being put in the movie. Yeah. Like Captain Marvel being yeah. like anti-war is very odd for yeah. those films. I mean, it, it, there's problems with that. In that film, for sure, too. You know, but, like, it's definitely well, Captain there. Marvel being an American fighter pilot who's realized she's been brainwashed by a military-industrial complex <laughs> and forced to fight a war against migrants. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot you could do there. But also, in Lake Guy, that you brought up the reappearance of Jet, who uh, also makes his series Exit in this episode yeah he dies he dies but it's also a little ambivalent at first well i should say that the avatar wiki says he's dead yes no he he, he's definitely dead and they definitely teed up for that this is also the reunion of appa and ang appa comes in to save them because zuko releases appa after uh, a, a heavy conversation with his uncle that's probably one of the best scenes in the show where Iroh confronts Zuko, and Zuko's like, "I gotta, I gotta kidnap the bison." And Iroh, like, for like the first time, really raises his voice. Mm-hmm. We're just like, "And then what?" Like, just the way he delivers that line is amazing. Yeah, no, like I was, I wasn't like shaking in my boots or anything like that, but I was just so engaged in that scene because, I mean, he Iroh just spells it out perfectly. Like, this is the the, the point where Zuko is really going to have to start confronting who he is and what he wants in life. Because season one was him trying to achieve something that was no longer like, like he didn't realize it, but he was not going to be welcomed back into 
like the legacy that he was promised at birth, basically. Season two is yeah. him basically just trying to survive. And now it's like, okay, you've survived. And now what are you going to do with your life? <laughs> like, what are you going to do now that you're here? Because you can't keep going backwards. There's, there's nowhere left for you to go backwards at this point. We'll get back to that too. <laughs> he ultimately tosses away the blue spirit mask. Yeah. But yeah, Jet Which, dies. And Jet dies, yeah. But it's also like, again, you're right. I think it was just like, you probably can't say a child died in a children's show. That probably pushes your show into a certain area that maybe wasn't okay in 2006. Yeah, I mean, not only does the child die, he's mur- Jet is murdered by like a 40-year-old man yeah. who basically spits on his like body by saying like you foolish boy like you've you've done this to yourself. It's like that's not only is that harsh in like any capacity, it's really harsh to someone you just murdered. Yeah. So I get it. I get why it's a little ambivalent here. Well, it's like also but it's it's it ends up being darker. <laughs> it's one of those things where like they tried to like make it not as awful, but it ended up being significantly darker. And because it's like he's like, nah, I'll be okay. And then we, we set up earlier that Toph can sense if someone's lying based on the vibrations of their heart or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the, the exact reason. And then she like just like whispers he's lying. And it's just like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. It, it's it's heavy. Um and I got this shot. is this is a nitpick. It's got I got I got a bone to pick here for the following episodes. But I want to bring it up now that Jet's body and the Freedom Fighters are never seen again. And I get it because the show is like, we basically just like steamroll straight to the, the final conflict in the season, right? And so there's a lot of ground to cover. So I get why it's not like covered moment to moment in that sense. But also when they're trying to expose the daily, it's like, hey, why don't we bring the body of the child and the other children <laughs> to the earth king. <laughs> Cause this is kind of uh, bad. <laughs> this is, this is pretty, it's not like definitive proof, but also it is a dead child and there has to be like an investigation done there. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. That, that, that's something I've always questioned about. Well, uh, it almost feels like they're ending it where it's like the ending of this almost implies that smeller V and Longshot are also going to die. Yeah. Which they do not. They appear in the comic book. Okay. So, they came back. Still very loyal to the Earth Kingdom for some reason. <laughs> huh. I feel like this would change that. <laughs> I, I I do too. <laughs> but uh, hey, I, you know, I didn't write it. Yeah, yeah. Um. Also, what, what hints that they might have met unfortunate demises is that the Dai Li come out chasing the gang from the same hole that they escaped, which Longshot and Smellerby were defending. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I could see someone saying that, oh, yeah, they died there, right? <laughs> and I would have completely bought that if you told me. Yeah. I mean, it's not a, you know, not a bad assumption, but I guess, somehow I guess they made it out. Yeah. I mean, hey, yay. <laughs> Less children dying is a good thing. Maybe they just spent the rest of the war in prison. I, I could see that. Yeah. Maybe after the events, which we'll get into, they guess they maybe the Dai Li stopped brainwashing people. 
Yeah, they, they then they just started taking them. Yeah. <laughs> um, that is totally believable. But yeah, we'll get to that right now. Uh, also, the reunion of Appa and Aang, which leads us into Chapter 18, The Earth King, where um, they're basically fugitives at the beginning of this episode from the, the Earth Kingdom and the Dai Li and basically have to, to run up to the Earth King and, and make their case for not only to help out uh, against the invasion against the Fire Nation, but also mm. prove their innocence and that the Dai Li are like domestic terrorists. Yeah. <laughs> so they basically, have to, they basically have to invade the Earth King's palace. Yeah. And it's like Which, this amazing action scene. It goes on for like 10 minutes. It's crazy. It's yeah. like half the episode. Well, this and is one where I think keeps I mentioned. Escalating. I think I mentioned uh, in when we did the first season that I could see how you adapt the first season into a feature length movie. Um, this one, I just, I, this would be, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it would be significantly tougher. Because there are, like, three false climaxes and, like, a bunch of huge battles at the end and then more story. This season is just so dense with the directions it keeps taking. And I say that in a, in a good way. Yeah, it's like they got, yeah. like, they used every minute of television for something important. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I brought it up before, but, like, the uh, when, when I first watched this as it aired, I wasn't super into the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. And then the second half, everything like in Bossing say, like immediately won me over. Yeah. And you know, now I'm just like, I was fucking stupid and insane. Like, what am I talking about? This is all great. But like, really this back half stuff, like not, not to, to spoil any this thoughts I have for the third season, but I could, someone could tell me that this is the best avatars ever been. And I would probably agree. <laughs> it's, hmm. It, it, it's it's just fucking fantastic. <laughs> and we're not even talking about the last two episodes yet. But yeah, so they, they go raid the Earth King's like, palace and they're just like taking on onslaughts of guards and people. And they're like, sorry, no, we're really on your side. And it's just like, I could see how that would make a bad first impression. It's a hell of a gamble. It's, it's, it's really suspenseful because it's literally like they only have one shot. And it's like they're basically turning themselves over ultimately if they don't succeed. <laughs> Zuko also falls ill because this the sad boy is so <laughs> is such a gulf between the image of himself and what he actually is that he like can't handle it so he gets sick. You sound like you're conflicted about this. No, no, I mean it's okay. it's I I, I kind of love it as like high drama. Like it's like it's ridiculous, frankly. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it's it's like fantasy melodrama. That's that's totally what yeah. it is. I but I love it in that it actually went there. You know, like, this is, like, a good version of that. Like, the bad version of this is, like, a woman dies of a broken heart or something like that. <laughs> Which is, like, stupid. I, I like that, too. But no. Anyway. No. No one, um, no one dies the... of a broken heart. <laughs> Unless you, like, actually have your heart carved from your body. <laughs> it's not how that works. It's high fantasy, and that's why it works. I guess, but it's like, I need a little more than just broken heart. Okay, you know? okay, okay. This is better Wait. where it's like, oh, they're in a coma because they're literally so in such conflict with themselves that they can't handle it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a probably good way happen, to like internalize that conflict. Yeah, if you could like, like you know, wield fire, that I could see that happening. <laughs> <laughs> if I got a lot going on in, inside. Yeah, he's been through a lot. 
And, you know, it's it's a nice parallel between him and Aang. You know, Aang finally, like, um, reuniting with Appa. Uh, and after having lost Appa, that was kind of like him, like, taking in the brunt of everything he's gone through, right? Like, that's why he, like, mm-hmm. breaks down at the end of the desert episode. And now he's, like, basically back on top of the world. And where Zuko, he's finally letting that same trauma in. And... <laughs> confronting it and it just is his body's like doesn't know how to handle it yes, i love it i love like it i'm, I'm glad we're on the same page about that it's like when it's like when dr loomis had a heart attack the moment he defeated michael myers <laughs> yeah because <laughs> he, he no longer had a purpose in life <laughs> oh man i was waiting for that to come back die die <laughs> die michael what a film moments i know (laughs) um (laughs) what a masterpiece of 10 minutes or whatever yeah yeah it's not very long that movie's not (laughs) worth watching but that scene is anyways that scene is just incredible yeah um and so they have to to basically go about a little investigation with the earth king who has a pet bear yeah just a pet pet bear bear. he loves the bear and but i think the thing that's hysterical to me is how bad long fang's lies are Where they're like, see, there's a Fire Nation trail. And he's like, nah, you know, that was just some construction thing we were doing. And they're like, there's a Fire Nation logo on it. <laughs> and then he doesn't have any, like, follow-up. <laughs> no, I think he says, like, oh, well, it's imported, of course. It's like, you know, you can't trust the... Yeah, like, he... but it's just, like, the worst attempt at lying. Longfang didn't do a good job. But maybe, you know, he's kept the Earth King... In his palace this whole time, maybe the guy just didn't know. Mm-hmm. It's got got a little bit of like the Last Emperor vibes. You ever see Last Emperor? I haven't. Where he's like he doesn't really know that World War Two is going on because like the military has taken over at that point. They keep him like they just let him do what he wants in the palace. He does kind of look like the Last Emperor. Maybe that was the uh, you know the, the the goal. Maybe that was the inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, things worked out a little better for this guy than the last emperor, though. Oh, okay. Not the, spoiler, not spoiler alert. Sorry, I spoiled history. No, it's fine. It's fine. Um, but then Zuko wakes up and he's happy. And now he's happy, and it's the most disturbing thing you'll ever see. Yeah, even Uncle's like, "You seem different." Yeah, he's just this smiling is weird and happy. And now he likes serving tea to fucking people. Yes, let's serve some tea. I just like how happy Uncle is. That makes me hey, happy when Uncle's happy. He finally won him over. And I'm sure everything will stay the same. And nothing wrong will ever happen. Yeah, and I like that immediately that's basically both established and paid off. Yeah. <laughs> like, the the ending, to that, that cliffhanger leading into the two-part season finale is really great. Because it's like, wow, our dad... Uh, we can go see our dad now, Katara, Saka. Oh, well, only one of us can stay here because we have to help the Earth can prepare for the invasion with his generals. Okay, Katara will stay. Saka will go. Saka and Aang are going to go on a road trip because the guru that Appa ran into attached a note to his horn before he was taken. And uh, now he, the guru is going to help Aang learn to master the Avatar state. Yeah. And then Toph this... is going to go reunite with her parents who are in town. Only her parents are not in town. It is the bounty hunters that have been following her all season. Put her in a giant metal box. Yeah. And then the Daily 
pledge their loyalty right. to Longfang <laughs> instead of the. All right, I gotta say. Sorry to make two comparisons in one episode, but them having that metal box ready is a lot like Dr. Loomis having that metal <laughs> net, oh that chain God. fence, the chain uh, net hanging above the ceiling that he drops on Michael Myers. Die, Toph! Die! Die, die Toph! Die! <laughs> Toph is basically Michael Myers. and A little that's... bit. There's one part where she's like literally surfing on the earth, and that's yeah, like kind of nuts. Much like Michael Myers. <laughs> yes, the exact thing Michael Myers did. I mean, that's basically the plot to Halloween Six. I'm just saying she's unstoppable. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and then we get the we get the reveal that the Kyoshi Warriors are being impersonated by Azula Mai and Tai Lee. Maybe I have this grammatically wrong because they keep not putting a comma. On the wiki, Wikipedia page between Azula and Mai. No, I'm pretty sure that's Wikipedia fucking up. All right, because that's they've they've done it like three times so far. <laughs> that's so weird. But it's like a thing. I think literally, uh, Sokka says something like, "Everything is gonna work out now." Yeah, and the moment he says that, it is just like, dude, like you know, Sokka is a dope, but even he, I feel like, would know not to say that. <laughs> You know, I'm not a big proponent of karma or anything like that, but in a fictional television program, like, come on, Mm -hmm. dude, like, it's, don't do that. Although it's also a thing where it's like, there are rules to this. They literally made every wrong decision, because if they had just stayed together in this last moment, none of the events would have happened. You know? Yeah. Like, if they had just hung out for a little while longer, they would have noticed that the Kyoshi Warriors were a bunch of fakes. But, like, how you can't predict something like that. I guess, but it's also this weird, like, reinforcement of, like, the greater themes of the story where the moment they aren't together is when things finally go wrong. Yeah, yeah, or, that, it, that's true. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's we will get into it as the series progresses, but a big thing is that it's not really about Aang mastering the four elements. It's him bringing the four nations together, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that's really what's going on here. And the one episode where they're all separated is when the the thing turns and everything just falls apart. But sometimes that conflict can breed ingenuity. It's like the lie here about capitalism, except true this time. Because Toph learns to master metal bending. <laughs> <laughs> all right, sure. I don't know. I'm, I'm pulling. I'm grasping at straws here. I don't know why. This is all terrific shit. This is um, great. No, no, I think it's just that it's so, like, we would just be like, remember that moment? That was great. <laughs> really? Like, this, this is, this might be my, f- like, I don't know. The Zuko alone is my favorite episode. I think it's just going to remain mm-hmm. that way. But this last three might be, like, what I consider the best, like. Well, this is the Empire Strikes Back. This is the big climax, you know? Yeah. This yeah. is where everything finally turns. And again, like, and, how, how I brought up the, the creators, like, learned the best lessons from Star Wars and, like, expanded upon them with their own, like, methods and mythology. Yeah. Uh, this totally understands why The Empire Strikes Back works. It's not just a chase movie. It's not just they lose. It understands, like, the fundamental of, like, why the characters made these decisions that brought them to their failure, yeah. you know? And I, th- I think what makes this even more harsh, though, than Empire is that... This one definitely dangles in front of you, like, a happy ending. 
Whereas mm-hmm. Empire never really does that. Empire doesn't go like, hey, look, if you just do this, if, if everything just works out, everything's going to be fine. Whereas this is like, we, we now we have the Earth Kingdom on our side. We're ready to invade. We know that the eclipse is coming. It'll be the perfect time. If we just do that, the war will be over. And and then it's like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> this also has one of those things I really love on these type of shows where it's like you have all these different factions kind of on their own paths where it's, you know... Not only do you have the main characters all going on their own journeys, but you have the bounty hunters, you have uh, the Water Nation soldiers who are sailing around, you have the Dai Li who make it very clear that while the military is loyal to the Earth King, the Dai Li are still loyal to Long Fang, and it it's and then we have you know Azula disguises the Kyoshi warriors where it's all mixed up. It's great. Um. Well, this implies, I mean, we know, we'll find out later this isn't true, but this does kind of imply that they killed the Kyoshi Warriors. I know. Um, I thought Suki was was gone by this point. That would have been... Because uh, we had real... also just lost Jet, you know? So, in my mind, when I first saw it, I thought that was it. I thought they were going there. That would that would have been nuts, yeah, frankly. Um, that would have been... That I, would I have, guess, maybe. spoiler alert, we, we do try to keep it spoilers to a minimum because we want people to watch the show for the first time and we don't want to give things away that are ahead. But I think it's safe to say that we're discussing the Kyoshi warrior circumstance very specifically for reasons. I don't know. I don't want, I don't want to give anything away, but um, mm-hmm. they're not. Well, that, I feel like if you I'm were saying. worried about Suki, you would have gone to the fan wiki immediately. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> I don't think we're spoiling. Cause I will do that sometimes where if I think a character might, get hurt i will look it up just so i don't hurt myself later <laughs> but the you know the titular this episode's called the guru so i guess we should talk about the guru a little bit yes what are your thoughts on the guru well he's gotta help unlock the seven chakras um i don't know i uh it's a little weird because he's like very uh indian coded you know what i'm saying I wouldn't even say coded. I would say like he they they just kind of did that. And for a series yeah. that's been very good at managing like cultural interpretations or at least like inspirations, this one feels almost kind of lazy. Although if we just seen other representation before this point, you know. Yeah, because like, he's like, also the only character in the series that's that dark skinned. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. There's a lot of criticism about this character. And I mm-hmm. think the creators understood that because this is also um, the only instance of the character appearing like in a large capacity. Yeah. There is one brief instance of, of his appearance, but it is not like a, a big thing later. I, and I think they understood that they kind of miscalculated on this guy. Which makes mm-hmm. his appearance later even weirder, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Well, it's weird because he ends up like Phil. He, he definitely does a Yoda thing with this ending, you know? Yeah. Where he's he's training Aang to unlock all the different chakras, which also I don't believe chakras have been mentioned up to this point. No, it uh, is a little uh, Deathly Hallows. Just... Yeah, I mean, well, even then, it's like we just didn't have a name for the Deathly Hallows, mm-hmm. you know? But yeah, it's just like. For me, it, it's something where 
I feel like maybe it would have been mentioned earlier or could have been mentioned earlier. Something maybe a live action series could fix if you mm-hmm. allowed the creators to change things. You know, maybe introduce the stuff a little earlier. Maybe make Indian coded characters a little more common so it's not just the one mystical guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's really like I was just saying how like this might be like what I consider to be the best of the Avatar series, bar none. But also, yeah, the, the, this is like a genuine issue. I, I, I definitely still have with it. And it's not resolved. So I do definitely still have mixed feelings about this character. Yeah. I mean, it's something where it's like, I mean, I love the series, but like anything you love, there are stumbling blocks. Yeah. And, and I, I will say that the conversations he does have with Aang, though they are not really like, and again, for this series, it is very odd that it's not set up or established early on. I do find them very compelling. And I do think there's, like, a real um, appreciation that they continue to show for, like, uh, one's, like, self-worth and individuality and how, like, we all connect to the earth and how, like, it's all it's, it's all important to, to maintain and, and to, to grow in, like, a healthy capacity or manner with our relationships and, you know, just all of existence, basically. <laughs> Another thing that, it, again, it learned all the right lessons from Empire where it's like it gets really introspective, which is something uh, you really don't see in children's media that often. I do like that Azula is playing like three dimensional chess with everyone mm-hmm. where she like has her because I actually forgot that moment where my and Tylee are saying like, oh, I hate wearing this Kyoshi warrior get up and fooling people. <laughs> <laughs> And so for a second there, I was like, oh, man, this is some really bad dialogue. And then I was like, oh, they're trying to fool the Daily, which is a really good moment. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a very fine line between, like, is that too silly? No, no, it's about right. <laughs> no, well, it's silly, but then it's it. they were doing it on purpose is what makes it great. <laughs> oh, no, 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 I know. But, like, even then, there's, like, you can't overplay that. You know, it still has to mm-hmm. be like the right amount of believable. And given those characters, you can kind of get away with more because Tylee, mm-hmm. she's not like an airhead, but she's very happy go lucky, you know? And this and is so one where it's I, like. I could buy that it, coming from her. Over and over again, it's just people being like giving Azula like all the information she needs. I know, to, it's like, so fuck bad. up everything. <laughs> where it's like the Earth, the Earth King's like, hey, don't worry, we're going to invade when there's the eclipse. And then it's like, oh, you know, the Dai Li, we don't need them. And then the worst for me is when Katara uh, stops at, she wants to get some tea on the way back. And she walks in on Zuko and Iroh, who at this point, you know, Zuko's now like happy Zuko. And we, but she doesn't know that. So she immediately runs to warn the Kyoshi warriors. And all she does is tell Azula what's going on. I know. She, yeah, Azula doesn't even have to try you I know? know. Like, this entire season, she's been coming up with all these cunning schemes and plans to, like, track people down and invade Bossing Say. And then the moment she's undercover, it's just like, oh, wow, they literally did all the work for her. <laughs> you know, not to, not to make another Game of Thrones comparison, but it is a lot like Ned Stark in season one. Where he's just, like, playing into everyone's hand. Oh, I know. The dope. That, My favorite dope in the history of dopes. He was an honorable man, and look where that got him. No, he was a uh, he was ride or die. I think I saw that Twitter post going around for a while. Like he was you know the what? OG ride or die. You know what though? I gotta say one thing about Game of Thrones that has been a negative impact on the culture is that I think people took the wrong lesson again. 
which is that you shouldn't believe in anything because the game's you have to play the game. Yeah. And I I blame that on the ending because the ending so obviously has to be that you break the game because yeah. the game is killing everyone. Although it's so obvious, you would think that the people that were still watching it by the end would at least pick up on that. I know. I, I but, know. You know. Katara then gets captured, and Zuko and Iroh are brought to the Earth Kingdom capital under false pretenses, and are, or Zuko was captured by Azula and the Dai Li when he challenges her to an Agni Kai, which is like a one-on-one showdown. Well, we know that. We've, we've seen that in the show already. But, like... um. I like that he's like, yeah, I'm challenging you. And she's like, no, we're not doing that right now. <laughs> like, she, he's not even worth her time. And that's kind of sad. Yeah. Uh, but Uncle gets to be really badass. And he's like, you know how I got my nickname Dragon of the West? I remember yeah. that in trailers when the season finale was, like, being teed up by Nickelodeon. And just, like, losing my mind. Because that was... We've never seen that before. Someone actually breathing fire like a dragon so when yeah. iroh did it i was like oh you know like wow. whooping and hollering in my seat like oh there he goes you know that was my end game <laughs> <You're doing>, oh yeah <laughs> that was so fucking badass like i mean we talked about it before too but like at the end of the day some of this stuff is just really badass yeah yeah no the fighting is just so excellent like that's the thing you forget which is what's funny where it's like the show is just so good as, like, a story that you forget that the action also rules. Yeah, especially in this finale. There's just, like, these crazy new inventive, like, combos and moves. Because these characters are, like, teaming up and everything, too. Iroh teams up with Aang, Sokka, and Toph. And it's just like, whoa, like, this is... These dynamics are, like, so exciting. And, like, the season didn't need, like, new life injected into it by that point. But they keep pushing it even further into mm-hmm. like just awesome territory yeah yeah and then uh to, all... to your point about how like this season finale hits a little harder than empire maybe because of how close things were to working out it gets even more tragic when you realize like oh wow even if they stopped long fang and um azula like the daily still control bossing saying basically i like, know like yeah. they've they've lost before they even got to this final showdown well another thing that also fucks it up is that you kind of realize at some point all right this is going to be the bad ending but i when iroh goes to meet with team avatar you're like all right this is the moment where all the team like where finally everyone's going to unite so even if they lose this battle going into the next season iroh don't know how to have iroh and zuko on their side which will like help them you know Mm-hmm. And then it's like, nope, that doesn't happen either. <laughs> Zuko and Aang are both presented with having to make decisions that, that will change their future. Aang is told by the guru that he has to leave all earthly attachments behind to to master the Avatar state. Zuko, after uh, attempting to escape with Iroh, Aang, and, so- and Katara, um, Iroh tells him that he has he's at the co- crossroads of his destiny. And then Azula shows up and's like, you could help me win today and you'll restore your own honor, basically. Like, you won't need anyone else's approval. Like, you'll redeem yourself in the eyes of the Fire Nation, you know. And so, naturally, <laughs> both of these people um, kind of get screwed in their decision making. Uh, Z- Zuko yeah. doesn't realize he's screwed until later. 
he thinks he's making the right thing right now. Well, I think I think what happens is Zuko, as as much as Iroh broke down what he was originally going for and told him like, "Hey, stop fucking around." I think Zuko was comfortable not making bigger decisions anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, like he was comfortable to just sell tea and bossing say for the rest of his life. <laughs> like that's really where he ended up as a character, which you know is better. <laughs> But it also isn't preparing him for the moment where he is going to have to make that decision. You know? Mm-hmm. Zuko didn't choose the right path when he got sick and went into a coma. <laughs> he just chose no path, which isn't really a choice. Mm-hmm. And that comes to bite him in the ass in this episode, although he does not realize it. And uh, it is so frustrating Every time I watched it, I want to shout out my friend Angie Han, who threaded her entire viewing experience of The Last Airbender for the first time. And oh, I was yeah. waiting for her to get to the season two finale because the moment this happened, she tweeted out the, the I was rooting for you gif from Tyra Banks. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, yeah, yeah, that's that's about right. <laughs> we were all rooting for you. And Zuko makes the wrong decision. And uh, it, it's it's very frustrating even now. Because, like, they, they totally could have taken Azula. Like, it's so clear. Like, they finally could have, like, won against her. But no, no. Then the Dali show up, and it gets even worse. And Aang goes into the Avatar state by abandoning his attachment to Katara. And then gets shot in the back by lightning by Azula. And it's... uh He's basically dead for a second. Like, he's gone. Yeah. Um, And then... Katara saves him with the the water from the North Pole. Yes. The, the super spirit place. I, f- I forget if it has a specific name. But, um, well, there's also yeah, not, the... Uh, not great. There's also that moment where it's Katara and Zuko and they almost bond for a second. Oh, yeah. And then the Zutara yeah. shippers just screamed into their pillows. Yeah. I gotta be honest. Like I said on rewatch, that, that ship makes a lot more sense on rewatch. I it does. It, it does. Before, I'm not even but... making fun. I, I, I get it. I'm not yeah. pro it, but I get it. Yeah. I'm not pro or against. <laughs> I believe that's... I, I leave it in the decision of the characters. What, what else to say about the crossroads of destiny? Uh, well, fucking Zuko fucks up, you fuck. Yeah, he fucks up real bad. Mm-hmm. But, um... And I like that there's not even... Iroh doesn't even have, like, a moment where he's, like, sad about it. He's just, like, so disappointed in Zuko. Like... He's yeah. just angry at him. Uh, some someone brought up an interesting little parallel thread. You know, like on, on Twitter, people like cinematic parallels, and sometimes it's just like they have the same colored shirt, and it's just like that's not that doesn't mean, any, that doesn't mean anything. But I think there was actually a genuinely interesting one that I, I sorry I can't remember who tweeted it out, but they brought up that the only times that um, Iroh looks away from Zuko like in the series is when he's burned by his father because he can't stand to watch him in pain and then when Zuko decides to betray him and the Avatar Mm. I just thought that was nice I mean sad it's sad but like it's a a cool little note that's interesting yeah it's fucking tragic (laughs) it's really really sad because Iroh's never done that for Zuko like he's never looked away from him he's always he's always been there for him and now like Zuko's tossed that all away and even even at the end of this episode I just want to say that like he he's with Azula and they're like yeah we're like we've done it like we've 
100 years and we finally conquered Bossing Say. And Zuko not feeling on top of the world still. Yeah, you can tell he's not happy about it. Mm-hmm. But that's yeah, a bummer. And again, this is a this did did this do this first where you know you kind of set up a redemption arc for the hero, and then at the last second it's like nope, like I'm gonna be a fucking asshole again. It might be one of the first big instances. I don't, I don't know if I ever saw something that did it before. I'm sure it happened in anime before. Oh yeah, like all this it's stuff almost that, that happens in this probably did happen in anime, like in some capacity. But like, you know, there's that big Last Jedi one. Um, yep. You you you've brought up another show that it's happened in that I don't want to mention because I haven't seen it even. But like, God damn, so I don't know. It's definitely the Fuck first time. So upset. I remember it happening, and and yeah, I I was upset. Like I, I was, I was visibly upset, but it was, yeah. you know, it's just so good that I, I still, I was, I was in love with it. I, this is the shit right here that, that there's nothing else to say about it. It's a shame that b- making the Star Wars sequels broke everyone involved because Daisy Ridley's performance in Last Jedi is so good mm-hmm. when she realizes Kylo's not going to come with her. Oh yeah. She's fucking terrific in that. I mean, that, that. Everyone's acting game steps up so astronomically in Last Jedi, and not that I even have mixed feelings about them in Force Awakens, but, like, everyone's so good in Last Jedi because they're working with a real filmmaker, but whatever. Yeah, but Diego, the, the light speed thing doesn't make any sense. It, it breaks the whole universe. Movies are ruined. Star Wars is ruined. The music's called Jizz. <laughs> <laughs> the music in Star Wars is called Jizz. Is it? Aren't there like subgenres of jizz? That's like one of them's jism. <laughs> I don't know. Are there? I'm gonna look it up. Jism. Um, yeah. I'm. I'm a little more into the, that post-neorealist jizz. Jizzalism. <laughs> Jizzwallers. Here's something that's weird. In, on the canon Wikipedia, Jizz is only credited to the Max Rebo band. But in Legends, it's the Max Rebo band and Figrin Dan and the Modal Nodes. <laughs> what the hell? I don't know what any of that means. Figrin Dan and the Modal Nodes? <laughs> oh, are they the ones from the first cantina? Yeah, they're the cantina band. Okay, okay. And Max Rebo's the blue elephant guy. Yeah, on the, on the barge, yeah. right? Yeah. Figurant Dan on the modal nodes was an all-blith music band specializing in the genres of jizz and jats. Has anyone checked on George Lucas? <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing about jizz. Does, did George Lucas know what he was doing when he decided to name it jizz? Because he thinks it's funny. Or does he not realize that jizz, what jizz means, and he just was like, replace jazz, but instead of an A, put an I. I feel like he just replaced the A with an I. Because he seems like the kind of dork, whom I love, Mm -hmm. but the kind of dork who doesn't realize when he's being funny sometimes. Because I've seen those those prequel documentaries. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) I definitely feel like he didn't realize what he was doing. When he threatens to bop the guy on the head. Yeah, I don't know, bop you on the head. 
Did right, you see the edit are... John Boyega made of that? Yeah, it's a, it's the best. Yeah, it's amazing. Baka rock is another genre. I just now my, my head canon is that the Max Rebo band are the only people that play jizz in the universe, and that everyone's like, you don't like, like no one else calls the music jizz. They're just the ones that are like, yeah, we're a jizz band, <laughs> and everyone's like, you don't have to, you don't have to keep saying that. <laughs> Stop saying that. Yeah. Well, let's see, let's see what else happened then. Um, because I I don't want to like just skip over anything, but like no 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 yeah I just I was having fun with jizz. No no yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> just getting jizz all up in this this place. No, um, there's just a lot that happens in this episode, and uh, oh, this is also uh not not a spoiler. It's just. Just prepare. This is the last time we see Long Fang, because Long Fang should have gotten his. I I would have liked to have seen Long Fang again. Yeah. Put him in a cannon. He's launch to, him. He's not to die. He just have to like be beaten. I should just beheaded him like right there. Good lord. I mean, she could she have killed pull, him. Azula basically kills like a, like a lot of people. We just don't see it. Is it is like a a Game of Thrones moment where she's like, you weren't even playing the game. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's... pretty dark. <laughs> Zula's pretty evil. Yeah. But I like her. Well, yeah, she's she's fun. Yeah. Not oh, really. And I, I do... Well, no, she's a fun character, but, you know, yeah. don't... She's not real. Thankfully. Yeah, she's not. She's a fictional character, but she yeah. makes me very upset. <laughs> yeah. But, like, in a fun way. Oh, and uh, I like Tylee's continued recurring subplot of being attracted to Sokka. And when she's fighting him, she's still like playfully like, look, it's like we're dancing together. Like that was like genuinely funny to me in this horribly terrifying episode about the crumbling collapse of what remained of a once peaceful society, even though that peace was itself a lie. I'm sure that's a, that, that's a funny moment, but it's also... I don't know that that's that I find that disturbing. Well, it, it is because she she doesn't realize like because it's like you're fighting for your life situation. and the other per- you're fighting for your life and it's a game to the other person. Yeah, I mean, Tylee is scary in a lot of ways. Well, Tylee's like the least scary of that group because she had to be like kind of forced into going. Yeah. I mean, because like like May is is definitely more like the Daria of the group, right? Like May's there, got there's a, knives. There's a funniness to her her um a dark comedy to like her her attitude, but yeah, she is also like wielding knives all the time and trying to stab everyone. Yeah. Whereas Tylee is like that's like a traditional cartoon character almost, who also happens to be a master assassin. Yeah, is good at blocking your chi or whatever the fuck. Yeah. She should have just stayed with the circus. She should have, but, Azula, but then you maybe Azula would have like actually murdered her or something. Yeah, that's awful. That's yeah. awful. Yeah. Not that's not awful. a great friend. Azula's a bad friend. Not to go out on a limb here, but Azula's a bad friend. And yeah, I guess yeah. you do. I mean, at, that's that age where you will stick around a friend even though they suck, and then at some point you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> Is that is that all we have talked about this episode? Like it's so good. I don't want to miss anything, but Yeah, I think it's just it like the there's nothing we can really say like cuz the episode kind of speaks for itself. So I think if you watched it, you got 
everything out of it. Yeah, because again, um, I, I didn't even bring it up at the beginning of this episode because we had so much else to talk about. But like, we're assuming you've watched these episodes, so I hope that kind of takes care of it a little bit. Other than the the Earth Kingdom, like legit falls, yeah. like we're just nuts. Like so now it's like not only did the good thing not happen, but actually everything's gotten significantly worse. Yeah, and to go back to your this might be more fucked up than Empire thing. There's no like. Oh, okay, but there's still hope because they're together. No, no, Aang like basically died for like five seconds. Yeah, Iroh's captured. Earth Kingdom's gone. The only like group of resistance that we've seen now is from leftover groupings of the Water Tribe. Yes, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, not not a great group. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and some pockets of friends that they made along the way, but like. It's very clear that this, there's almost like no hope left here. It's 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 yeah, bad. Basically. It's not looking good. Nothing's good. Everything's bad. Can't relate. Huh. <laughs> Anyways, um, so that's book two. Yes, it was. What a remarkable season of television. I know it's great. Um, I know we didn't talk about as much this time as we usually do, but that's kind of just because. There's, you know, what are we going to say? Yeah, no. A book book two is one of the best seasons of television, like, bar none for me. Like, it, it's just so good. I, I've talked about it for, like, at least four hours now over these recordings. So I'm just going to let that also speak for itself. Uh, next time, we'll be starting book three, Fire. And we'll be going over the first five episodes. Chapter one, The Awakening, The Headband, The Painted Lady... Sokka's master and the beach. Um, oh, and I want to give a shout out to uh, Lauren McMullen, whose last episode was Lake Laogai. She will not return in the next season. Um, and I just wanted to shout her out because what a I think we brought bunch up. She was the bullshit. only female director on this series, and she did uh, the last episode. She did was Lake Laogai, and she's a remarkable animated director. She did some yeah. of my favorite episodes of the series, and. Yeah, uh, fantastic work from a, her. I hope she's doing good. Without without asking too much, is there a reason why she didn't return? I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. I, I guess I'd have to look into that a little more. Because, or a lot uh, more, because like, I, I don't think there's too much on her. It looks like the next season, pretty much everyone's back. Except mm. her. I mean, maybe she got an offer to do something. She's at yeah. Disney now. Oh, is she? She did a she did an Academy Award nominated film for Disney short. Oh okay. Oh, get a uh, horse. Yeah. Featuring Mickey Mouse. It was like the first Mickey Mouse thing in forever. Yeah. But I don't know what she's doing currently. I don't know. A, a lot of animated projects they just take like an insane amount of time to develop. So maybe she's got yeah. stuff in development. You know. Well, I just went on her IMDb, and the last credited thing is Get a Horse, and there's, like, nothing after that. Mm. Um, as directed, let's check. Nope. All right, she worked on Ralph Breaks the Internet as a story artist. Okay. Because uh, sometimes as... IMDb and Wikipedia don't have everything they're doing, you know? Yeah. So, hopefully there's there's more going hopefully. on for her, because very, very talented director. Yes. I mean, look, you direct something as beautiful as Zuko alone in the desert. Like, I'm going to basically, hmm. like, support you wherever you go. So. 
Thank you, Lauren McMullen. Oh, she was she was supposed to work on Newt. <sighs> Newt? Uh, for those that don't know, Newt was the canceled Pixar film, or one of the canceled Pixar films from like the last decade, right? I think it's the only one they ever really canceled. Oh, like Disney canceled that. Uh, they were going to do a new Jack and the Beanstalk story. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And they really hyped it, and then they just like were like, "Up, oh, we're not, we're not doing that now." Mm-hmm. Which is weird. It's you don't normally see that. Yeah. Because normally stuff is like quietly canceled, and like knew it was canceled because it was like they were having trouble with it, and then they like they, like there was that other story that basically had the exact same plot, and so they're like, "Ah, oh, we might as well not do it." But then th- that one just—I don't know—that's weird. Fuck Disney. <laughs> I don't care. No, they should stop. Yeah, but that's it for book two. Remarkable. We're done now, Matt. Where can the people find you? I'm at EmperorOTN1 at Twitter.com. That's it? That's it. Okay. And you can follow if me I'm doing at anything Diego else, Crespo. I will update it on Twitter. Okay. At the Diego Crespo at Twitter.com. And uh, check out the Waffle Press on Twitter as well as YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, Patreon. I probably missed something, but that's okay. It links down to everything on the YouTube and SoundCloud. So, again, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We have been professionally unprofessional. professional.